You don't want to cross canes, that'd be disastrous. Good to be here. Always glad to be in the house of the Lord. We're continuing this morning on our study in the church covenant. These have been a blessing to me, and I'm sure they have to you as well. Brother Frankie began with some lessons, and then it fell my turn. And uh, this is lesson six in the study of our church covenant. Hotchner, would you hand me that water there in front of the seat in front of my, my wife? <coughs> I apologize for my throat. I, I've had a doctor look at that one time. And I don't know what's going on, but it's really aggravating. Excuse me. So we want to continue with our church covenant this morning. Lesson number six. The church covenant is that which we as church members engaged to support, maintain, and pro the proper worship in the Lord's house. We've covenanted to do that. Uh, last week we looked at that subject, the proper worship. If you're going to covenant with the Lord, you certainly better be in the state of, of worship. So this thing that we're going to look at this morning is that we're going to sustain its ordinances. Church has two ordinances and two only. Sorry to disappoint some, but foot washing is not one. <laughs> Many Baptist churches back in my area, West Virginia, practice that. But there's two ordinances that the Lord gave to his church. That's baptism and the Lord's Supper. So we want to look at those this morning. Now you know that we're trying to get through these lessons uh, in a proper space of time. So I won't give an exhaustive the view on either the baptism or the Lord's Supper. But I trust that there's enough here for us to see what the scripture says about it. First of all, we want to look at baptism. There's been a lot of arguments, fights, battles, Deaths over this matter of baptism right. down through the history of God's people. Baptism is for the saved only. Right. 
Some of you in my listening audience may take offense to that. That you'll take offense to God's Word. It's for the saved only. Let me give you some verses that don't take my word for it. Acts 8, 38. This is Philip and the eunuch. The angel of the Lord came unto Philip and told him to go down south toward the way of goes down toward Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. And he rose and went down there and found a man of Ethiopia. And he approached his chariot and began to preach unto him. He was reading out of Isaiah 53. You think God's providence is not in all things? <laughs> what better book could he be reading out of than Isaiah 53? That's the gospel. He didn't understand what he read. Verse 34 of chapter 8, the eunuch answered Philip and said, I pray thee, of whom speaketh the prophet this, of himself or some other man? And Philip opened his mouth and began the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. If you have a doubt about Isaiah 53, reading that in the Old Testament, who it was talking about, this removes any doubt. The Lord Jesus. As they went on their way, they came to a certain water. The eunuch said, See, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? Philip said unto him, If thou believest with all thine heart. He wasn't going to baptize him if he hadn't, he hadn't believed and hadn't received the Lord. And he answered and said, I believe. He didn't stop me. He didn't say, I believe. A lot of people say, I believe. He said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Mm -hmm. He commanded the chariot to stand still. And they went down both into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. down here but I see it's wrong verse so baptism is for the saved only what is it to be saved it's those that have repented of their sins declared their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ that's 
the only proper candidates candidates for baptism. When a pastor prepares to baptize an individual, these are usually the words he says. Upon profession of your faith, and by authority of this church, and in obedience to our Lord's command, I do now here baptize you. And only those that are repentant of their sins have faith. says, upon profession of your faith. The Bible says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. Those who are repentant of their sins have faith in the Lord. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. <clears throat> baptism then is for the saved only first of all and baptism is a figure picturing the gospel doesn't save you again as I say it's a figure that pictures the gospel first Peter chapter 3 verse 21 Let's go back to verse 18. For Christ also hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit. By which also he went and preached into the spirits in prison, which sometimes were disobedient, when once the long suffering of God waited, the days of Noah, while the ark was preparing, wherein few that his eight souls were saved by water. The like figure whereunto even baptism doth also now save us, not the putting away the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. My wife's, my first wife's family there was two other sisters. One of those sisters married a, into a Camelite family. Now, if you know what a Camelite is, that's the Church of Christ. I don't honor them with the name Church of Christ because they're not. Right. Alexander Camel was the uh, originator, pretty much, of the Camelites, the Church of Christ. So I call them Camelites because <laughs> they're not the Church of Christ. Well, she married into a Camelite family. And what, which I could never grasp that she was raised up in a Baptist church, saved, knew the truth, and she fell right into that. And they would come over to our house and try to sway us by their argument of baptism. And man, we had some arguments. I mean, they would, they would come just week after week. And week after week, we would just put the scripture out there until finally they'd just give up and quit coming. She still believes that today. 
She's still in that church. Her husband's deceased. That's a real conundrum to me. But such as it is. There's been more blood shed over baptism than any other thing concerning the Lord's truth. Many churches who were predominantly controlling the countries basically back in history. If you weren't baptized by that church and their, their baptism was sprinkling it wasn't immersion. We'll get to this next. The baptism is a figure picturing the gospel. I read to you First Peter there look in Romans chapter 6. What shall we say then? Verse 1, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid, how shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized unto Jesus Christ have, uh, were baptized unto his death? Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism. Notice that word buried. Unto death, into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. So there, the, the, you see that the death, burial, and resurrection is is uh, set forth right there. All right. Acts chapter two. And verse forty one. It says, then they, they that gladly received his word were baptized. They had made a profession of faith. They received and believed Christ. And then they were baptized. The same day, they were added to them about 3,000 souls. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, the fellowship, and the breaking of bread, and the prayer. Let's get a little technical this morning. The Greek word for baptism is baptizo. It means to make whelmed. You ever heard the term overwhelmed? That means to be fully wet. <laughs> I remember at a baptism one time when they baptized this individual and I think one of the deacons said, the pastor said he didn't go all the way under. Mm-hmm. Well, they did it again. Mm-hmm. Get him all the way under. Holy covering with liquid. That's the only thing that will represent baptism is a burial. That's right. I read to you Romans 6, 4, look in Colossians. Chapter 2. Verse 11 says, In whom also we are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands, and putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, buried with him in baptism. Buried. <laughs> buried. You ever go to a, a grave site and they bury somebody? 
And I didn't see no head sticking up when they got done. He was fully buried. Buried with him in baptism, wherein also you are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God who has raised him from the dead. So baptism is a burial. Sprinkling cannot picture a burial in water. Right. Many of our Baptist brethren have lost their lives standing for the proper practice of baptism. You ever read some of the old history? They would not recant. They would not settle for sprinkling. And so I, I think about that a lot of times. That what I just mentioned to you about my wife first wife and her sister who I dearly love in fact she's coming down to see us uh, this fall but she still hangs on to that who knows maybe I'll get a chance to work on her some more <laughs> mm -hmm. so when a preacher baptizes somebody you better make sure he's all the way under <laughs> because that's the only thing that is, uh, is an accurate representation of baptism. Every member, every believer, I believe, I mean, should seek to be a member of a New Testament Baptist church. I don't think you can be complete find the verse the instance of Jesus being baptized in Matthew chapter 3 and verse 13 then cometh Jesus from Galilee to Jordan unto John to be baptized of him John forbade him saying I have need to be baptized of thee and comest thou to me and Jesus answering said unto him suffer to be so now for thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness and he suffered him. I don't think an individual is complete who say now they're not their their salvation is complete. I don't mean to say uh, to uh, say otherwise, but I don't believe you can live a a life pleasing to God outside of being a member of His church. I truly believe that. I'd argue that to the day is dead or to the the day ends. Because that's what the Lord did. He was the head of the church. He didn't say do as I say, not as I do. He, gets, he set the example, didn't he? He was baptized. Because when you're baptized, you're making an open 
a confession, profession to all those that might be in the service. That you've died to sins and been raised anew in the likeness of Christ. He ought to be the first to know, shouldn't he? <laughs> baptized in the church the only place you can be baptized, I might add. Mm -hmm. In his church, his kind of a church. Galatians chapter 3, verse 26 for ye are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as have been baptized in Christ Jesus have put on Christ. That's what you're doing when, you, when you're baptized. You have put on Christ in a formal and a public way. It's a believer saying I've died to sin. Doesn't mean I'll never commit sin. But I've died to sin as it being a controller of my life. The Holy Spirit now guides us. And controls our life. And baptism is declaring that to the world. And you're more pleasing to God when you do so. Every believer should seek to have scriptural baptism. To believing, uh, pleasing to the head and founder of the church. If he thought enough to be baptized, to set the example, how can we not be baptized? And he was baptized by John the Baptist. Mm -hmm. That's important to note. He was uniquely qualified for that role. John the Baptist was the son of Zacharias and Elizabeth. And as the appearance of uh, John the Baptist, and when he was born and began to preach, when he came forward preaching in the wilderness, we realize the burial of the old dispensation and the emergence of the new. Through his ministry, we transitioned from law to grace. He represented the foreclosure of the old and the forerunner of the new. He was born as a child of promise in the city of Judah. His parents were of priestly descent. His mother being a kinswoman of Mary, the mother of Jesus. You find that in Luke one thirty six. His parents were old and his mother passed childbearing. So his birth, in, in a way, was miraculous too, wasn't it? John the Baptist.
when Mary went to Elizabeth to tell her her miraculous birth, Elizabeth, being six months pregnant, the babe leaped for joy. Here's John's mother meeting Christ's mother. They both are uh, full with the, with the child. And the babe leaped in her womb. You know what that word leap means? Jumped sympathetically. It's like John saying, I'm going to announce your birth. And Christ saying, I know, I know. Well, those babies had a common bond, didn't they? Luke 1, 41, it came to pass that when Elizabeth heard the salutation of Mary, the babe leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she spake out with a loud voice and said, Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb. And whence is this to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For lo, as soon as the voice of salutation sounded in mine ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. It's an amazing thing. John and Christ, both yet unborn, had a predestinated mutual association. John would preach the gospel of repentance. And in Jesus was the gospel declared, personified. And fulfilled. It says so. First Corinthians fifteen. Moreover, brother, and I declare unto you the gospel. Um, Romans one says uh, the gospel of Christ, which I preached unto you, and which also you have received, and wherein you stand. Of which also ye are saved if you keep in memory what I have preached unto you, unless you have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins, according to the Scriptures, that he was buried, buried, and he rose again the third day, according to the Scriptures. There's the gospel, my friend. 
John preached forgive, uh, repentance and forgiveness of sins. And don't our, uh, our sins uh, uh, merit repentance? The need of repentance? And Christ is the one wherein forgiveness is obtained and secured. I'm going to stop there because the next one's the Lord's Supper, and I, I got five minutes of normal time, and okay. and uh, so I'm going to stop there, and we'll continue that. And I wanted to get them both done today, but that didn't happen. So we trust the Lord had a purpose in all that. Go ahead and close in prayer. All right, our gracious heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for this day. We thank you, Lord, for the privilege to assemble in your house and to to hear. Lord, what you did for us. And how, Lord, that we're to observe these things in ordinances, remembering your death, observing your supper, as we'll look at next week. We pray you to bless your word. Lord, I know there's much more that could be said. I believe we said enough that we might understand somewhat about this matter of baptism. Bless those who came. We thank you for those that are here. We pray you to bless the word to those who are in the hearing audience. And Lord, we help, pray that you'd help us today to be available, Lord, for lack of a better word, to present the gospel to those that might we might come in contact with. Lord, you gave us an opportunity yesterday. My wife and I, we pray that you might give us others, give others in this church opportunities to be a witness to someone about the saving grace of Christ. We ask for that. We, we pray that you would. That's what we're supposed to do, Father, is to preach the gospel to every creature that you give opportunity. Help us to, to pray about that. We might see and have more opportunities. Again, thank you for those who are here. Pray you bless your word. We pray and ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.